You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. Talk to people, not about, oh, how was last year? Oh, you could have done better at this and this. Oh, here's your objectives for the year coming up. Have that conversation regularly with folk about where do you want to be in five years? What can we do together? to help you get to where you want to be in five years' time. Invest in the person's future. Sometimes you'll be investing in a future that isn't with your organization. That's true. But hey, if you're going to have a great people culture, then still do it. In today's episode, I sit down with a financial leader, someone who understands the world of finance, but more importantly, how to develop the next generation of financial leaders. His company trains and mentors people that want a career in finance, but more importantly, people that want to lead finance departments. We're going to talk today about the importance of investing in your people and how you can turn your greatest asset, your people, into one of the best profit centers inside of your company. Today's guest is Kevin Appleby with Grow CFO. Get ready to take some notes. He's got some amazing tips on how you can accomplish more with your people. Kevin, it's so great to speak with you again. Welcome to the show. Ryan, thank you for having me. We had a blast when you appeared on my podcast, The Grow CFO Show. So I'm looking forward to the same again. Yeah. And you know what? When we were on that show, after we got done, we started chatting a little bit about some ways to bring someone with that the financial acumen that you have, that CFO experience and guidance into the talent tackle box. Because as we talked about, your people are your greatest asset and one of the few appreciating assets that you have in your business. So let's chat about that for a little bit. Tell me, what is it when, when you're meeting with these, it, it, when you meet with owners, when you meet with CFOs and they start thinking about their people, what are some of the mindset shifts that you see need to happen so that people start thinking about their people as an asset and start investing in them and helping them appreciate? Let's just chat about that for a little bit. First thing, Ryan, is I definitely agree with you that people are the only appreciating asset in a business. Okay. So you've got to do whatever it takes to make them increase in value, increase in the value they can give back into the business. You certainly don't want people leaving unnecessarily because they're tired. They're tired of doing the same thing. They're not being developed properly. You want to bring them along. You want to motivate them. You want to get them ready for better jobs. But now I'm putting a CFO hat on. What's one of the biggest things that a CFO would be looking at business change? And at the moment, business change is very much about automating basic processes. Mm -hmm. And what we're probably seeing are the, the basic tasks in a business. The mechanical ones are getting fewer and fewer. The things you want your people to do have to be focused on the much more added value things. If I'm looking directly at a finance team, you know, the person that just processes an invoice, 
will probably in, t- in fullness of time be replaced. There's so much AI, so much automation around. Sure. Those sorts of transactional tasks are going to disappear. What do we want? We want people that can look at the numbers, that can interpret the numbers, that can make suggestions as a basis of the numbers, that can fall into the decision-making process. Okay? So that means better people, more business awareness, more commercial awareness. We need to develop people to do more value-added tasks. I like to say, automate the things that are predictable, automate the things that are important, and then let people do people things. Yeah. Because computers will never be able to do the, the people things. AR, for example, at some point in time, it's great to establish a relationship with your with someone who owes you and, and be able to put together a structured repayment plan or just have that conversation Sometimes when you just automate that, it's really easy to delete the reminder email. It's really easy to ignore the robocall. But when someone calls and connects with you, that's stuff people can do. Oh, yeah. I think that's stuff that people can do. The connecting bit yeah. is going to become a bigger and bigger asset over the next two or three years. Now, AI will end up being able to do so much. There'll mm. be so much of the business world becomes faceless that I think we're going to value more and more that personal contact. You know, I was talking to uh, my nephew, he's 25 now, and I've seen him before where he'll sit on the couch with his buddies and they're both in their phone chatting with each other online, like texting each other back and forth. And I think about the fact that the, especially the younger generation, they don't know how to have a conversation. They don't know how to talk to people. It's all been digital communication their entire childhood growing up. And I think that we are going to start seeing people being able to value human connection and being able to have relationships and be able to have good, solid conversations. And I think like what you were saying, teaching your people how to do those things is where you're really going to get that return. Yeah. And if I look at the training courses that we offer in Grow CFO, no, we, two of the boot camps we run, the first one, FP&A, financial planning and analysis, mm. 50% of that boot camp isn't about how you do the analysis. Mm. It's about how do you communicate the result of what you're doing to the people that need to know about it. Business partnering bootcamp that we run as well is about forming relationships with people, mm. understanding what matters to them, looking at their side of the business problem. You know, as finance folk, we're quite happy to bash out the, the monthly profit and loss account circulate it around the business, tell folk what's happening, and monthly profit and loss comes out, and sales switches off, marketing switches off. They're not really interested. Mm -hmm. But you go and talk to them about what their current problems are, and you give them a a really decent financial angle to help them, then you can make a lot of difference. So it's learning to have the right relationships with the rest of the business that I, I think is key from a finance perspective. Yeah. In, and I, I like you said too, though, about being able to have that conversation and what really they need. I just had a meeting with a client and I'm listening to leaders talk and they're all frustrated about these situations that are happening. And I see a lot of people who have stepped back into that. I'm going to call it that traditional financial role, which is, Hey, I gave you the information check 
off my list. I gave you the stuff you needed, check off my list, but there's no follow-up. There's no conversation. There's no, how do I help you use this information? How do I make sure that we're looking at this the same way and we're on the same page? That conversation is not happening. And I think sometimes in organizations, not just because this isn't what they're trained to do, but we're moving so fast. Like you said, AI is starting to take over and there's so many things that are happening. I see a lot of companies that are just, they're moving fast. Like their people just have to figure it out and they're not sitting down and having that conversation. They're not investing in their people. So tell me, how do we get business leaders to start thinking about their people and turning them into an appreciating asset? Because I've seen a lot of teams that don't appreciate on their own. They need help and they need support. So what are some things that we can do to, to help with that process? First one, and this is a, a real soapbox thing of mine, is pay people what they're worth. Oh, you won't get any arguments from me on that. Firstly, I'll make it clear, I do not believe money motivates people. But I do believe that lack of money demotivates. We're in agreement there too. Absolute number one, from a financial perspective, don't look to say, how little can I spend on my people costs? Mm. Pay folk enough to take money off the table. That's point one. Point two is understand what actually motivates people. There's a frightening statistic that says only one in 10 people that come to work actually enjoy what they're doing, get motivated by it, get a buzz out of it, and want to do it. Oh, one in 10. One in 10. That's not a lot. What do you have to do to motivate people? There's actually a fantastic video by Daniel Pink. It was a, a TED talk that you can find animated on the internet. Talks about what motivates people. And what motivates people is learning about stuff, finding out about doing things that they like, being challenged by problems. Being So your job is to give people the resources they need to do a good job. Give them the opportunity to develop and to move on. Hmm. Which would then bring me on to point number three. Think about who you recruit when you're recruiting. If I'm recruiting a number two in finance, do I want to recruit the complete finished article as a number two in finance? Yeah, that might be very nice for the business. But hang on a minute. If I recruit my number two in finance, that complete finished article, and I'm hoping they're going to be around for the next three, four years supporting me, well, where are they going to develop if they're already the finished article? So I'd argue that make sure in the people that you recruit, you've got people that you think are more than capable of doing the job you want. But do they need to tick more than, say, 60% of the boxes on day one? Because you've got to leave them somewhere to develop, somewhere to enhance their skills. That makes sense. I've heard this said about business before. Your business is either growing or it's dying. There really is no business that's sitting still. And if there's no opportunity to grow because you've already at the top, then your business is going to start dying. And I imagine people are the same way. They've got to have opportunity to grow and for you to develop them. Plus, you get to make them into the person that's right for you. You take yes. that person that's already developed and they're going to come with different ways of doing things, different thought forms, different 
processes that may not mesh with what you've built. And mm. I agree with you, taking somebody that has the right behaviors, the raw materials, the soft skills, those things that you can't teach and teach them the rest. We have a process we call the Growth Accelerator Program that we teach our clients, and it's all about a three-year growth plan for people. And I met with a group of CEO peer groups. They ran peer groups. So they were the people leading these. And I met with them a couple of weeks ago and they said, the problem with most of our clients is they feel that they've turned into just these training grounds where we train people and then they leave. We train people and then they leave and we're not getting the fruits of our labor. And I think that the mindset is wrong there because people are going to leave if you don't give them a reason to stay. You should always be looking to say, what's the next role that this person can move into? find sometimes that if I'm recruiting a number two, there might not be another role for them to move into if I'm not intended to leave. So you may get that situation. Yeah. But, you know, I can think of lots of times when I've been doing annual appraisals, objective setting with people that have worked for me. I'm thinking mainly back into the times when I was in in consulting rather than the training area that I'm in now. And one of the things that I'd always ask folk were, so where do you want to be in five years' time? And trying to really understand that. And if that where they want to be in five years' time doesn't match with a position in the organization we're currently in, fine. And actually, I'd see it as my job to help that person train and develop, even if that meant them leave the organization, because it'd be the right thing for them. But flip that around a minute. Why would you want people to stay? It comes back to you should have recruited people with the right values in the first place, mm. the right belief systems, yeah, so that they fit into your culture. Mm. Now, do you really want to go into molding yet more new people into your culture when they leave? Go back to Jim Collins, good to great, and having the right people on the bus. Mm-hmm. If you've got the right people on the bus, why would you want them to get off? Yeah. Because molding more people takes a lot of time. Set things up. And I suppose in, in the finance area, again, another bugbear of mine, and it becomes even more so now that I'm actually running a learning and development business, is times get tough. What's the first bit on the profit and loss account that somebody puts a red pen through and says, we're not spending that anymore to training. save some money? It's usually training. It's usually training. <laughs> Yep. And actually, I'd argue that is one of the very last things you should be putting a red pen through. Yeah. Interesting. And I think a lot of that goes back to the mindset of people. I I say this a lot in my training and everything. I I think it's a cultural thing because I don't think everybody does it. I definitely know it's an industry thing where we start thinking of our people as a cog in the machine. They are a component inside of our business that when that component does well, it gets to keep running. And when that component doesn't do well, we replace it. And I feel that's the wrong mindset for that because most people don't work out of bed, wake up in the morning, get out of bed and say, I can't wait to go do my life's purpose and work for someone else today. (laughs) That's Mm. not how they're thinking. They're thinking, I can't wait to go to work today because I got that vacation planned with my family and I want to be able to afford it. Or I've got a new family member on the way and I need to be able to afford it. And that's why they get out of bed and go to work. It's not to come and serve us 
as the owner of the business and to just be a cog in our machine. We've developed quite a throwaway culture. Throw it away and replace it. We got a bit better in thinking in general stuff and don't throw it away, recycle it, Mm. but replace it. I think in all areas, the next bit of change in mindset there is repair it. So that cog in the machine isn't working properly. Repair it. That means find out why it isn't working quite right. Do whatever's necessary to give the training, the advice, Mm -hmm. and so on. You said people don't get out out of bed in the morning to go and say, hey, I'm going to have a fantastic day working for somebody else. (laughs) But at the same time, nobody gets out of bed in the morning, or at least 99% of folk don't get out of bed in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to go and do a bad job today. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's interesting. You said that throwaway culture just reminds me of a documentary I just watched about how we treat furniture nowadays and how we're always buying the cheapest furniture because we just throw it away. We don't repair it anymore. It's so true. And I think that a lot of business owners, unfortunately, have that mindset when it comes to their people because they don't look at them as that appreciating asset that you talked about earlier. So give me a couple of one or two things that someone listening to this could go back to their office and say, hey, I heard this great podcast today. This guy, Kevin, he's genius. He gave me this one thing to go do. And I think we need to go do it because I really think it's going to help us with our people problems. What, what do you have to share with our listeners for that? I've got a few. Okay. Number one, work out what the skills of your people actually are. Okay. And I'd point people in the direction of a fantastic book from the Gallup organization, Strength Finder 2.0. One of the things you could do very well is put your folk through that, get them sharing results, find out where they excel not necessarily where they don't excel because strengths finder tells you the strengths, not the weaknesses. And it gives you a load of strategies for how to best use those strengths. Love it. If you do that and you start talking to folk, you'll start the spot where you put square pegs in round holes. So you can sort that out as one thing. Mm-hmm. Number two, mentioned it already. When you're doing that appraisal, you know, talk to people, not about, oh, how was last year? oh, you could have done better at this and this. Oh, here's your objectives for the year coming up. Have that conversation regularly with folk about where do you want to be in five years? What can we do together to help you get to where you want to be in five years' time? Invest in the person's future. Sometimes you'll be investing in a future that isn't with your organization. That's true. But hey, if you're going to have a great people culture, then still do it. That reminds me of a client that we had a while back and he was an electrical contractor. And with the fa- his favorite people to hire were people that came in and said, I just need to get my skills up because I want to go start my own business. And he would have a conversation with them and say, you want to be my competition someday? And they're like, yeah, I want to be my own contractor and be able to have my own team and all that. And he's like, this is awesome. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you under my wing. And over the next three years, I'm going to teach you everything I know about running contracting business. And one of two things ended up happening. Either one, the guy went off to go be his own contractor and become competition. But now he had someone, a mentor in the industry that he would always go back to say, hey, I can't take on this job. I need your help. What's your support? So my client actually created a a friend in the industry, if you will. Or the other thing happened, the guy realized, 
I don't want to run my own business. I just want to do this. And he found someone who was highly motivated and passionate about taking over a department or division or just staying in a certain role because he invested in them. Yeah. It was a great recruiting strategy for him. Not as many people wanted to start their own business as you would think, but for those that did, it was great recruiting strategy. That's the next key point that I'd make. Having had that conversation, having realized where people want to get to, spend the money on whatever training, whatever development is necessary. Focus on developing strengths. Don't focus on developing weaknesses. Yes. Yeah. If somebody's weak in something, hey, you can spend a fortune making them mediocre. Somebody's pretty good at something. You can spend a lot less money and make them world class. (laughs) You know, the thing about investing in someone's strengths too, and I've seen this personally, is that when people are playing in their strengths and that's the work they're doing, they're so much more energized. Yeah, absolutely. They're so much more focused. It's a lot of work to do something that you're not good at, especially if you're not good at it. It's a real challenge. I did StrengthsFinder probably about five years ago and it was just eye-opening, the amount of insight in that. If you take the time to go through it, that was the one thing I'm like, 34, whoa, it, it seemed a little overwhelming, but when I just, I had a coach that just had me focus on the first five and we spent six weeks working on the first five and it transformed my business, changed the trajectory of things because I'm like, I'm just going to stay in my strengths. I, I love it. It's a great tool. Yeah, so there's quite a few there. Yeah. Focus on your strengths, work out where people want to be in five years time, invest in the training, the development and so on. But then I think there's another one that comes down to your attitude as a manager. Mm. And very, very simple coaching formula that I think every manager should be aware of. P equals P minus I. Okay. Performance equals potential minus interference. Mm. You want to get the best performance you can out of people. Hopefully, your recruitment sorted out the second B, the potential bit. Yeah. You recruit the right people. Let's take that for granted. So what stops them performing? Interference. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your job as a manager isn't to tell people how to perform. It's to take away the interference. Get out of their way. What's stopping folk doing a good job? Yeah. Yes, yeah, some of it's get out of the way, but somebody who's regularly a good performer, suddenly this week isn't doing a good job and mine's somewhere else. So go have that conversation. Mm. What's interfering? Are there something big going on at home? Yeah. Tell them to go sort it, get it fixed and get back to doing the job when the problem's gone away or do whatever you can to take that away. I love that as a, as an employer, there are a lot of opportunities for us to help people with stuff they're dealing with at home. And sometimes it just sits down letting them have a a conversation with you and tell you what's going on. But a lot of opportunities, I've seen it firsthand where an employer can maybe give somebody some time off or give them a little bit of a flexible schedule or move some things around so that they can deal with the stuff at home, come back bigger, better, stronger, and more loyal usually because not a lot of employers are going to take time out of their day to sit down and help somebody with something personal. Yeah. There's another interesting angle in our current ways of working. I've been quite interested lately, recorded a couple of podcasts that have have started talking about hybrid work and hybrid work in finance, 
there was one case where where I had the CFO of a very large tech business. He was in New York. He had his finance team scattered right across the United States and across into Europe. Some of them were near an office they could perhaps go into. Others were very remote. So we talked about the ways they managed to get together, how they managed to work as a team. But if we talk about this one of removing interference, when when things aren't quite going right, you've got to make take that extra effort. If that person's sitting out in the office, you can often sense by body language and whatever that something's wrong. They're at home, 300 miles away. How are you going to pick that up? Your job as a manager, go find out what's up with all of your team regularly. Check in with them. We can quite easily get into a, a meetings culture where you schedule things on Zoom. You've then got an agenda when the Zoom call comes on. People talk about certain points. And that sort of conversation would have taken place at the, at the water cooler, the coffee machine, has gone out of the window completely got to find some way of putting that back in. It's important for all those ad hoc ideas that fly around, but it's also important for getting to know your people, getting to know what's bugging them, finding out the general temperature of the workforce. Yeah, that makes total sense. And hybrid is definitely something a lot more people are talking about. Remote work has been something that a lot of business leaders have been challenged with over the last couple of years because of the pandemic. So Kevin, some great insight. I think you gave, I asked for one or two things and I think you gave us four. So <laughs> for those of you paying attention, make sure that you pick one of those and put it into practice as soon as possible. I loved all of them. But when you start talking about having conversations with your people and really understanding what's going on and creating that connection, like that's the one right there that just sings to me. I love that one a lot, but you had some other great tactical advice. Kevin, you are part of an organization that trains financial leaders and helps them build financial teams and stuff like that. But it sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge that goes beyond that. If someone wanted to learn more about either either Kevin or if they want to learn more about your organization, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, GrowCFO. It's www.growcfo.net. Okay. We've got a podcast once a week, GrowCFO Show. And if you find, want to find out more about me, best place is LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show today. I learned a lot. We had a great conversation and some great insight from someone who is from a department that typically doesn't spend a lot of time on the people side of business. Some great information, some great insight. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolute pleasure, Ryan. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a Titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag titans of the trades i love seeing your posts and guest suggestions we are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes click the subscribe button your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry want to know more about how we're doing that go to our website or follow me on linkedin 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.